Father, we give thanks to you for your goodness and grace and allowing us to come together again this morning as your people, as your church, uh, to encourage and provoke and strengthen one another, to worship your holy name, to lift our songs of praise to you, our prayers, our adoration to you, our confession. We, we count it a privilege to gather together and we thank you for providing this place for us to do so. We are grateful and we are thankful for that. We're thankful that uh, you've provided, uh, um, Lord, just uh, the, the people uh, who serve in all the various capacities. Um, Lord, I want to just give thanks this morning for uh, the music ministry, the sound ministry that shows up every week so faithfully, so diligently to, um, uh, to prepare for our time together. And we're thankful for them. We ask you to strengthen them and uh, encourage them in their ministry. It's such a blessing to us, and we're thankful for it. And Lord, we pray for the Sunday school class that's going on, uh, the other Sunday school classes that are going on this morning, and ask that your blessing would be upon them, strengthen them, help them to teach with authority from the truth of your word. And now we pray for our time together, that as we, uh, we look at what inductive Bible study is and uh, continue that uh, uh, look at uh, what exactly it does. And I pray that you'll help us as we practice it as well this morning, uh, help it to be a practical time, a beneficial time, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to the uh, How to Study the Bible Sunday School class. If you missed the last time uh, we were here, I believe it is um, online, you can catch that uh, first part of how to study the Bible, and we, what we uh, began to cover was the inductive Bible study method, and uh, we covered two of the aspects of that uh, the last time, and so do, do you remember the three steps of inductive Bible study? What, what are the three steps of inductive Bible study? Observation, that's the first one. Interpretation is the second one, and the third one, application. And that's what we're going to cover this morning because we covered observation and interpretation uh, two weeks ago, and we're going to cover um, application today. Um, and we'll spend most of our time this morning actually putting the three steps together practically. We're going to, uh, you'll see there in your handout um, on this, the third page inside, uh, a section from Philippians. And we're going we're gonna to actually hunker down and do some observation, interpretation, and application from a text this morning. So um, be prepared for that. But before we get there, um, we need to talk about application. So application is incredibly important. Um, some would say it's the necessary outcome of observation and interpretation, um, you know, we may think that if we observe and interpret a biblical text, well, then we've necessarily studied it well. Uh, but unless we apply that, uh, that you know, knowledge, what we've seen and what we've interpreted to our lives, then we're not actually accomplishing anything of value. And a great verse to remind us of that is the, the verse that's right there on the front of your handout, and that's James 1, 22 through 24. Uh, our desire is to be doers of the word, not simply hearers. We don't want to be like the Fonz who go, walks up to the mirror and pulls his comb out and goes, whoa, you know, like he's already there, right? Uh, that's not, uh, that's none of us. We, we see ourselves in that mirror. We see the things that need to change, I just realized that the fawns just just like went right over most of your heads, and I'm like, I'm just really old. <laughs> so, or or maybe a Johnny Bravo. Is that better for some of you? You know, he looks at himself in the mirror with a comb. I think he got it from the fawns. Anyway, that probably went over your head as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, maybe Michael Jackson's song. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Right. Uh, the Bible does that. <laughs> Great theologian, Michael Jackson. Um, so the point of that verse is that 
biblical instruction should not leave us the same. Should not leave us the same. We should be changing because of it. So I'm guessing that most of us don't spend time studying the Bible with the express purpose of not applying it to our lives. Um, So what are some of the things that keep us from applying Scripture or applying it well? Let's talk about that for a minute. What are some of the things that keep us from applying Scripture or applying it well. And these are the things you could write down underneath application. I'll have some if, no one, if none of you guys come up with things, but I think you might be able to come up with some really uh, readily handily um, reasons as to why we are not applying Scripture or applying it well. What do you think? Patrick? Okay. Ignorance, lack of knowledge. A lack of understanding of the text, which could get back to lack of time spent poring over the text, lack of time with observation, right? Yeah. What else? Or, or not understanding it well, which I think is really the, the point, right? We just don't understand it well, the text. Yeah, what else? So we don't spend time meditating on it. Um, We don't go find out what other people have said to um, check our own observation or interpretation and to see whether we're on the path. Um, And so we don't apply it well. What else? Okay, sinful desires. You want to be a little more specific? Okay, yeah, yeah. You're convicted by the sin that it's telling you you shouldn't be doing, and your flesh says, nope, not going to listen to that one. I like that sin, and I'm going to continue in it. Yeah, that's a good point. Others, what, uh, what's some, or what are some of the things that keep us from applying Scripture or applying it well? What's that? Pride. Pride that tells you you've already thought through all of it and you've got it figured out and so you really don't need to examine your heart really all that well. Um, Yeah. Anything else comes to mind? Yeah. Yeah. Being lazy. Not wanting to put in the work. Yeah. Patrick. Sinful despair, yeah. Um, so I, I've, I've had a few bullet points here. Um, not understanding it well, I think it was already mentioned. Not enough time to think hard about it, how it connects to our lives. Um, or you're too tired or you're too distracted. Um, you, uh, and the older I get, the more I've gotten to the point where, you know, I, I have to be more honest with myself. It's like, I didn't have time for that. Like, I didn't have time for I, I would say, I found myself saying that um, over and over again, and I'm like, no, no, I didn't make time for that, right? That didn't take priority. It wasn't that I didn't have time for that. I didn't make time for that. I didn't make that a priority in my life. Uh, I don't think taking time is a good excuse. I didn't, I didn't have time for it. Um, it's so important. Um, an unwillingness to consider sin in our lives. Uh, we see the, the Bible's job as affirming us rather than changing us. Um, we only ever apply Scripture individually rather than doing it with someone who may see things in our lives that we don't. How about that? Maybe you don't talk to someone else about what you've read and so you don't get somebody else's perspective of you. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever um, read 
uh, C.J. Mahaney's book on humility, he gives an illustration in there about a man who is sitting at a Denny's and he looks like he's about ready to go into this business meeting and put a proposal before somebody and he's just dressed to the nines, cufflinks, sharp Armani suit, hair is just perfectly quaffed. You know, it's, it's there and the man's got some cream cheese on his face and he can't tell. And who's going to tell him, right? Um, this, is, this is the kind of thing that we have to realize. We can't see everything about us. We need our, the church's body's help, right? And the closest one in the church body to use normally your spouse or your close friends within the church. So you need someone else to help you see uh, these areas of life, your life that need to be changed. Um, another thing here, we're not very introspective or honest, uh, about ourselves, so we have a hard time seeing what we're really like, and so um, we don't really think deeply about our um, character flaws or deficiencies. Um, honestly, and some of that might go hand in hand with pride because we don't really think we have any. Um, we think we're there, so that's something to consider. So our job for the next few minutes is to think about how we can apply Scripture well. So let's start with some of the questions there for application, and then we'll look at some guidelines for application. So first, the questions, and they're, they're all listed out here um, on your handout. Um, the questions you can ask yourself as you study the Bible and uh, any particular passage of the Bible, um, uh, help, uh, helping to apply it to your life. Um, I grew up in a, uh, in a club, in, well, in a church that had a Word of Life club. And uh, every year as a teenager, starting from age 12 through 18, I could memorize a certain amount of scripture, read six books or more, do 21 weeks of Christian service, um, and have daily quiet time, uh, and I could earn a week at camp. Uh, that was how it, how it worked back then. And uh, my daily quiet time consisted of a preset passage that they wanted me to read, and there were only two questions. What is this passage saying? And the second question was, how do I apply it to my life? Um, and that's, that's the way I grew up every morning, uh, trying to get into God's Word, reading a portion of God's Word, saying, what does it say? And then, really, how do I apply it to, our, to my life? And th these are questions to help you do that second part of that. How do I apply any particular scripture to my life? So number one, does it point out sin in my life? Does it point out sin? Um, you're looking for a particular um, message from that text that talks about sin and how it relates. You're, you're thinking about how it relates to the sin that's in my life. Is, am, am I doing the same thing? Number two, what assumptions does it have that I don't share? What assumptions does a text have that I don't share? Um, we wanna change those to make sure that we're lined up with the thinking of God's word. Number three, is there a command to be obeyed in the passage? Is there a command to be obeyed? Uh, there are, uh, in the New Testament, there are a lot of imperatives, a whole lot of imperatives, and those imperatives are commands uh, throughout uh, love one another, that's a command. Um, greet one another. That's a command. All the one another's are commands. Uh, all the one negative one another's do not lie to one another. It's a command. And there's all types types of other commands and imperatives throughout the scripture. So, is there a command to obey in the passage? Number four. Is there an encouragement for me in this text? Is there an encouragement for me uh, to persevere or to continue on or to to labor steadfastly um, or to um, assist my brother or sister as they're walking in the faith or to pray for someone? Is there an encouragement for me in this text? Number five, is there a promise for me in this text? When you think about all that the Lord has prepared for those who love him, um, and as the Bible lays that out in several different passages, is there a, is there a promise in here for me? Um, or is there a, uh, you go through the Proverbs, is there a maxim or principle here that is generally true if followed that I can also follow? Uh, so um, is there a promise for me? Number six, does it teach me something about God? Um, 
unarguably, almost every passage is going to teach you something about the nature and character of God or affirm something that you've already heard or understood about the nature and character of God. Um, yeah, I was just thinking of a, uh, a catechism uh, question that was just going through my head. Um, you know, uh, there's a, and the New City Catechism, I don't know if you've ever heard of the New City Catechism app, um, there's a musical thing that you can play for kids, um, and there's a song, there's a question in there, if no one can keep the law, what is its purpose, purpose? Right? If no one keep the law, what, why do we have the law if no one can keep it? It's to show us the, the nature of God and the nature of man and our need for a savior. And so um, that's what scripture does. It shows us who God is. Right? And does it, so it, does it teach me something about God? Number seven, does it teach me something about myself? Um, maybe it's reaffirming uh, your fleshly inclinations and saying, yep, I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm inclined to those sin, that type of sin, uh, because my, I'm still, my flesh is unredeemed. I'm a new creature, but I'm still living in this flesh, and so I'm struggling with certain things. Uh, what's it teach me about my, myself? Number eight, what evidence for my faith does it give me? What evidence for my faith? Um, does it strengthen your, uh, or encourage your faith? Um, and is it lined up with your life and how you're living it, your trust in God? Number nine, what will I do differently today because of this text? What will I do differently? What kind of action am I going to take today? Or is there some action that I need to take because of this passage? Um, of course, if it's stop sinning uh, when we don't want to, um, we want to keep on living in our sin, you need to stop it, right? You need to stop and replace it with that which is good. Um, number 10, what will I think? How will I think differently because of this text? How will I think differently? Um, your uh, your, your th thinker, needs to be corrected a lot of times. So how does the scripture guide us to think properly or think differently than what we had before? Number 11, how can I model or share or teach this truth to encourage others? How can I model it for others? That's the point um, of applying it here. And then number 12, how could my family or my church apply this text, and how can I encourage them to do that, right? Um, it's not just for you. The scripture is for your brothers and sisters in Christ as well, and um, they can learn from you as you work through a text yourself. Are there any questions so far? All right, good. All right. So let's talk about some guidelines to help us apply scripture well. And uh, the first one is pray first. I, I mentioned this two weeks ago when we talked about uh, um, before you go to the text to make those observations, pray. Um, it's worth mentioning again, pray. The scripture says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. So, the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. So you want to make sure that your mind and heart are clean, uh, confessing sin, asking God to show you truth in his word. Um, and we do need to pray for spiritual insight as we begin. Psalm 119, 18 is a, is a great prayer when you open up God's word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Pray and ask God to show you the truth that the scripture is revealing. All right. Number two, make time to think. Make time to think. Uh, you know, sometimes in the morning the kids are screaming, uh, you didn't sleep much, uh, and you can grab just a few minutes in God's word and in prayer. All right, that's fine. Um, that happened to me this, this morning. I, 
I was awakened at two in the morning by my son who was heaving and thinks he had some uh, food poisoning. So I took him to the hospital and then, because uh, he couldn't stop heaving and other stuff. And, and so I didn't get back until three in the morning. And then right before I left, my grandson puked into the sink. And uh, it was like, oh, like, I don't have time for this, Lord. Um, uh, but I took time as I'm driving back and forth to the hospital to pray. As I was laying down, I'm praying uh, for my son. Um, as many of you know, he's not a believer. And so I'm praying for his salvation. I'm praying that God would use whatever circumstance this is, my, um, my ministry to him uh, to bring him to, to faith in Christ. Um, taking time to think, making time to think um, when it's not convenient, you know. Uh, so you have kids pulling at your, you know, uh, I was watching my, my uh, youngest grandson pull up my wife's uh, sweatpants yesterday. I was like, she's already pulling those right down, you know, yanking on them, right? And that's, that's what they do. They just pull at you all the time. And it's like, when do you have time if you don't make the time? And so um, moms, dads, make the time early in the morning if you can, or at night after you put them to bed to make sure you're thinking through and spending time meditate, meditating on God's word. Um, plan to have enough time on a normal basis uh, because sometimes things aren't normal uh, to consider God's word and, and let it weigh upon your heart, right? You want that weight, you want the full weight of God's word to be able to, to have its work in your, in your heart and life. Uh, Paul encourages Timothy to consider what he says in 2 Timothy 2.7. He says, understand what I say, for the Lord will give you insight in everything. Um, consider it. Make sure you're letting it have its full weight and work in your heart. Number three, write. Number three, write. For many of us, um, we think best when we're also writing um, our thoughts out. Um, it, make, it helps clearly define our thoughts a lot of times. Um, write down what you're thinking as you're thinking it. Write down questions that you're having, thoughts that you're having. Um, you know, we learned from uh, Professor uh, Agassiz um, two weeks ago how, uh, how that works out, right? Uh, you sit down and, and take that pencil. The pencil makes for a wonderful eye, he said, as we observe the text, as we consider things. So write. Number four, talk. Talk uh, with someone else, <laughs> not to yourself. Um, that's, that's not a bad thing to do any, either. Um, and you might see people talking to themselves and think they're crazy. Um, I don't think it's crazy anymore. Of course, I'm getting older. But anyway, talk with someone else. Uh, talk with them about what you're learning. Talk with them um, about what you're thinking. Um, I, I hope that when... What you're thinking about in your study of God's word is something that you might share on a regular basis with your spouse, with your children, with your brothers and sisters in Christ here at church, with your Christian friends. Um, invite them to help you consider God's word and how it might be best applied in your life. Take a passage and say, what do you think about this passage? And, and then not just what do you think about that passage, do you think it has any, what kind of impact does it have for our life today, right? What, what needs to be changed in my life, in your life, because of what this passage says? So talk with someone else. And number five, listen, listen. Sometimes after you've spent time in the text on your own, it can be good to listen to what someone else has thought about it, right? Sermons are normally best for this, um, you, know, you can download sermons from our church website. Um, we've gone through several books of the Bible now, and uh, you can go back and listen to those particular sermons. Um, you can buy printed sermons from, from pastors that you trust. A lot of those printed sermons uh, from pastors that you trust will actually be in the form of like commentaries now. Uh, they're, they're not like technical commentaries. They're easy-to-read commentaries. Um, 
John MacArthur's set, our Kent Hughes has uh, a lot through that he's preached through. Um, even some old, older uh, ministers like uh, Martin Luther's got some, um, like on the book of Galatians. Um, I love J.C. Ryle's uh, commentaries that he's got through books of the Bible like uh, the Gospel of John. Um, he just exceptional at taking some things apart. Some of those ideas might help you um, today in this day and age. Um, apps on your phone, right? There's there's Grace to You. There's Truth for Life. There's Ligonier. There's Sermon Audio. You can pretty much find a, a message on any particular passage of Scripture um, through an app. And of course, there's also some devotionals that will go um, through scripture passage by passage or section by section um a morning and evening by ch spurgeon is one of those um there's another one called uh, for the love of god by d.a carson um he actually takes robert murray mcshane's uh, 365 day uh reading plan and has a um a passage of scripture that that is in there that whatever it is for that day, and he talks about it. So listen to someone else and what they have said about the passage after you've had time to pour over it. Uh, what are the, some of the things that you've found most helpful in applying Scripture in your life? What are some of the things you've found most helpful in applying Scripture in your life? Excellent. Yeah. So perhaps you, you're struggling with particular sin and the passage that you're in is, is speaking about that particular sin. So memorize that verse and maybe even the context so that you, you can meditate on it. Agreed. That was the biggest point that I wrote down I, that helps me um, was like taking a, I may not have time to memorize it that morning, but if I'm reading it that morning, I may ha there may be a word or two or a phrase that I can remember, right? And I'll grab onto that phrase or that, that few words and I'll let that pour over my thinking throughout the day um, and then try to think about, about how that needs to apply to my life. Or I'm, I may already have an inkling about how it applies to my life. That's why I've grabbed onto that particular phrase and letting it um, work in my heart and mind throughout the day. Yeah. Other ways, what are some ways you found most helpful uh, to apply scripture to your life? Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah, so helping your kids is, is helping you apply scripture. Yeah, okay, I get that. Yeah, um, Using scripture to help your, your children learn, like when they're being angry with one another, you know, you stop and say, you know, the Bible says, and what God wants us is to be kind to one another, and using, using scripture, and then, you know, you need to be gentle, and then you start remembering all the times when you weren't gentle, even in your speech towards your kids. So, you know, yes, so as you, as you help your, other, your children learn truths about, about God's word, it's helping you to apply it. Yeah, that's good. Others. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think discipleship is one of those blessed things in my life that helps me by default if I'm spending time thinking about others in my discipleship preparation and then in that discipleship time 
that's the last time I got to think about myself, about my flesh, about everything else that's around me. So that's going to help me apply um, the scripture that I know as well, too, because it's constantly there. It's constantly, constantly being reminded of it as we gather together with, with other believers. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. So read it first and then listen to it being read to you. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Any other thoughts? a more comprehensive understanding of what you're dealing with, which is another point that I was going to bring up was um, another thing that helps me apply scripture is to not just look at the passage that I'm dealing with, but find a cross-references and where, where else is this concept or thought used in scripture. And so I'm not just dealing with that one passage. I'm looking at other and kind of folds into what you're saying there, that comprehensive understanding of this um, uh, idea that it needs to be changed. Other, other thoughts? How do you best apply scripture? What's that? Immediately? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's... Yes, Jesse, that's great. Immediately. Why, why wait? Yeah. Yeah. You, you see it's wrong? Fix it. Um, or what's that, uh, that skit that, um, you know, stop it skit? From Bob Newhart, you ever seen that um, on YouTube? You know, oh Doc, I'm I'm doing this. I keep thinking about this. Stop it! Yeah, two words. Let's solve it in two words. Stop it! Um, so there's there's some there's some truth to handling things immediately, um, and and taking them very seriously, um, rooting them out of your life, and and not allowing uh, time to to go by in your flesh to to get in the way and to start. Um, justifying it in some way or another. Absolutely. Yeah, good thoughts. Anything else? Yeah, Greg. All right. Well, with all that said, um, let's take the rest of our time together to study a passage from Philippians. Um, and we're going to, let me see. Um, we're going to approach this. Um, just like we would. So we're going to pray. We're going to pause right here and we're going to pray that the Lord will help us as we, as we begin this passage and then we're going to read it together and then we'll just walk down in terms of observation and then interpretation. Um, we'll, we'll walk through some of these things and then we'll take some time for application as well. So let me pray for us as we um, begin to um, go into this p- passage in Philippians. Father, um, thank you for the opportunity uh, to put into practice what we're learning. And Lord, we do pray that you will um, show us truth in your word uh, as we go through this uh, passage in Philippians. Uh, Truth that we can 
uh, understand truth that we can apply uh, by your spirit. Would you illumine your word to us as we walk through it and understand it? Uh, help us to understand it well um, and help us to make application um, as we finish uh, looking at it. Lord, we pray for your blessing in this uh, short amount of time. Help us to do it well and for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's in your, your handout there, so I'm just going to read that out loud and we'll go from there. Um, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it, it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor him, honor, honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the, for the help you could not give me. All right, so we've prayed, we've read the passage. Now, ideally, we would read this passage over and over again in observation. Going back over, then we would probably expand, make sure we're reading the context before and after it a little bit more. Um, but we're going to talk uh, through those a little bit now. I'm going to give you some of that um, just because we haven't gotten to certain parts of that. So, so what's the, the genre of this um, of this passage. We haven't talked about genres yet. We'll talk about, I think we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Um, anybody? No? It's an epistle. It's a letter, right? This is a letter from Paul to the Philippian church. And of course, the author is the Apostle Paul. So those, those are two questions that are uh, helpful. Um, the audience is the church at Philippi. Where was Philippi? Does anybody know? It was in Macedonia, across from Asia Minor, right? Uh, not, not far from there, right? Um, Asia Minor was where Paul was, uh, and he had this vision from, from God, this Macedonian vision, if you recall, where they said, please come over to us. And so um, that's where you'll see in Acts 16, he goes and he um, goes to the, the Philippians there. He does, doesn't appear that there was a synagogue in Philippi. So the Jews typically met near a river and you'll see that he went out to the river expecting a, a place of prayer there. And so um, what else is in, interesting about um, Philippi and uh, the city itself. What what particular is it's distinct about Philippi compared to another city? It's a Roman colony. It's it's actually a Roman colony. So, um, and it's in if you don't know where Macedonia is in modern day Greece. So modern day Greece. So we see the formation of this church in Acts sixteen. And then Paul visits again on his third missionary journey for about three months. It's at, you can see that at the beginning of Acts chapter 20 before that big section where he spends time with the Ephesian elders. Um, he spends a little bit of time there on his third missionary journey at Philippi. Um, this letter is 
in part a thank you letter. It's in part an exhortation and warning letter. And it's part a hopeful plans uh, letter. So um, the passage that we're, we're dealing with right now is in the context of chapter 2. Um, can someone recall what, what is spoken of at the beginning of chapter 2? What's that? Yes, yeah, so Christ emptying himself, taking upon the form of a man, humbling himself um, to the point of uh, crucifixion on a cross and, and telling us to have the same mind as that, right? Yeah, so um, what's already been said in chapter 2 is Christ humbling. Uh, we too should humble ourselves because of that. Um, then in, in verse 12, you'll see he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What's that look like? You know, don't grumble and complain. <laughs> Do all things without that. Um, and he continues. And, uh, and then he gets to this particular point. All right. That's really brief. Uh, it's probably not enough. But for our purposes today, that's going to have to suffice. Now we need to get into the five W's of observation, right? So what you see, where do you see it? So we're going we're gonna to walk, walk through those. Let's, and, and just to remind you, the five W's, if you weren't here two weeks ago, who is speaking to whom, what are they saying, when are they, and where are they saying it, uh, what is the context in which it's said, and why do they say what they're saying? And we're going to save the why question for last because when you start getting into why, you really start um, creeping into interpretation at that particular point. So, um, who are the main people in this passage as you look at it? And you can pull out, if you've got that supplementary paper, yeah, you can pull that out. Um, there's uh, that, that's in, in color with different things. Who are the... Um, who are the main personalities in this particular text? Okay, Timothy. Who else? Epaphroditus. Yep. Who else? Paul. Yep. Who else? Christ. Who else? Yeah. Okay. The people. The Philippians. Yep. Yep. That should be. Is there a square on there that, that over the Philippians? And did you see the triangle above? Uh, the Lord and Christ, uh, triangle, trinity, kind of put that in mind anytime. So just noting all the places on the text where God or the Lord is mentioned. Um, and you see Timothy's underlined, Epaphras is underlined. Um, so Paul's not marked on the handout, but yet he's the one that's writing, right? All right. Um, you see everyone mentioned in verse 21. Uh, sometimes it's rendered, it's rendered as they, and you'll see that marked several times on that handout. Um, someone that uh, perhaps is intimated in the text, uh, those with selfish ambition. Uh, you know, you know it's because a lot of these aren't this way, he's referring back to chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, those who preach Christ out of selfish motive or selfish ambition um, and he may be referring to that in verse 21 um, also in verse 28 any opponents of of uh, them right so those are the main people in the passage all right so what's going on in the passage what's going on think about the circumstances Okay. Okay, Paul, Paul, so Timothy's there, but what does Paul say about Timothy in this particular text? And what's he want to do with Timothy? Right, right. So Paul, particularly, Paul wants to send Timothy back to the Philippians. Yes. All right, what else? And, and you're right, Paul commends him as a servant, no one cares for you 
like Timothy's caring for you. No one has that type of concern. That's, that's something to note as you're making these observations, right? What else? Okay, so, so that's, that's, a, that's a, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you said that with a question in your, in your voice, right? Paul's sent, sent, has already sent, right? Depending on the version you read, you're going to know, like, this version in, in the handout doesn't, it kind of indicates that Paul may still send Epaphroditus, um, but I think I might send um, Epaphroditus, but in another version, it might say um, he's, he's regarded and he's already sending Epaphroditus uh, to them, and he's the one, maybe Epaphroditus is the one that carried the, the letter to them at that particular point. So, yeah, so, but Paul is sending or has sent Epaphroditus back to them, right? So that's a great observation. What else? Okay. Paul, Paul himself wants to be encouraged, but what, do, what else does Paul want to do? Yeah, Paul himself is planning to visit them too. It's not just about Timothy and Epaphroditus wanting to go. Paul is intent on visiting the Philippians as well. So um, chapters 1 and 2, he seems confident that he's going to be freed and he really wants them to, he really wants to see them. Um, what else is going on in this passage? Is there anything going on in Epaphroditus' life? Okay. Epaphroditus has been sick. How sick? Yeah. Almost dying sick, right? Um, that's how sick Epaphroditus was. So... That's, a, that's an important thing. And they're very concerned about Epaphroditus. And he's concerned about them, right? So, but he's better now, right? He also says that. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry about Epaphroditus. He is so much better. You know, praise the Lord. He's gotten well. Um, so, and what's going on at the end of verse 23? There's a qualifier there. Yeah, yeah. He there, he needs to see what's going on with him first, right? He he wants he wants certain things to happen, but I need to see how I how things go with me, and then we can do these things. All right. So that's the who, that's the what. So when are these things taking place? Okay. Yeah. After the church had been established, and some of these are things that you're not going to find right in the particular text. So after the church had been established, after Epaphroditus visits Paul, um, is when these things are taking place. So where are these people according to the text? Where's Paul? Verse 23. Right? He's waiting until he figures out what happens with him. He's still in jail, right? Paul's still in jail. Um, Who's with Paul? Timothy, that's right. Um, Epaphroditus seems to be the messenger that's in transit. So um, that's where all of these people are at this particular point. So let's get into why. Why does Paul write this section of the letter? What are his motivations, his purposes? Why all of the sending and going? Remember, with the why questions, we start creeping into interpretation. So why does Paul write this section of the letter? What are his motivations and his purposes? Okay. Yep. Form of encouragement. What else? Yes. 
Yeah, so he wants to hear how the Philippians are doing through Timothy, uh, which will bring him cheer um, in verse 19. Yeah. Why else? And make, try, to, try to connect it to a particular verse in this passage, if you, if you would. Why does Paul write this section of the letter? to thank and commend Epaphroditus in verse 25, yeah. Yeah, yeah, verse 27, to explain that Epaphroditus is okay, he got sick, but he's okay now, right? Yeah. What else? I think particular, he commends Timothy to the Philippians in verse uh, 20 because Timothy cares, right? He's concerned for the Philippians. And in verse 22, he talks about Timothy. He's a trustworthy man, right? And that's in contrast to verse 21, in contrast to the others who are not trustworthy, who are doing doing the, what they're doing from selfish ambition or motives. So, yeah, here's a lot of care and concern for the Philippian church, right? Um, just a couple other whys. In verse 24, he, he loves them and he longs to see them, right? In verse 24, Paul wants to see them himself. Um, and you're going to see another reason why Paul's writing this um, in verse 26 and in verse 28. Paul and Epaphroditus, Paul, uh, they're both distressed and anxious over the Philippians. So that's why Paul is writing this letter. All right, so let's talk about, um, look at the time, oh, only three minutes. Okay, um, let's talk about interpretation. Anything tricky in this particular passage? Regard to interpreting? What else? Is it, is it, do you find it interesting that Paul's anxious and yet later on in the book he says, be anxious for nothing? Yeah. Worth, worth exploring a little bit more, right? What else might be tricky? The what? Completing what was lacking in your service to me. Well, yeah, that, that might be a little tricky. What, what was lacking in the Philippians' service to Paul? Yeah, great observation. Tricky interpretation. What's it mean? What? Yeah. 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 Perhaps verse 21 with uh, the other, you know, these other people. What are, what's he talking about? Uh, there, um, what that, what did that look like? Uh, what were they doing? That might be a little bit trickier too. Anything else challenging in the interpretation of the text? So, oh, you're making me think, Philip. So, this was written, I think this is written between the first time and the third journey, the third time he saw them. 
I'm not for sure about that. That'd be something that we had to figure out. It might be tricky. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. All right, so really quick, since this whole sec section was on application, what, uh, what are some of the things that we can apply? Uh, use your application questions that, that are there in the handout. Um, we'll just take two minutes to talk about that. What can we learn from this passage? Don't seek out your own interests. Um, seek out the interests of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then you guys start thinking about what, what are those things? Yeah. It's the same question that you have when you look at Colossians 3. You know, set your mind on the things above where Christ is. See, what are those things? You know, that he tells you to set your mind on. What are the interests of Christ? Um, they're many and varied, right? Um, we have to fix ourselves on those. Yeah. What else? Application. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Commendability about suffering hardship for uh, Christ's kingdom and, and looking forward to the future and what the future has to hold. Yeah. And you, you start looking at Paul's life and in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11 and all of the dangers that he encountered throughout his life and the times that he was lashed and the times that he was in the deep and all of those things that he endured for the sake of Christ. Uh, it's all worth it. Absolutely. Willingness to be separated. Yeah. Um, I, Greg, I can't help but think about, you know, um, just even you and me as we um, left Grace Community Church in Maryville, we, we had tons of friends there, uh, loved them and were like, love you guys. See you in heaven. We we're going over here to plant a church, right? Um, we still see them every once in a while, but our, our relationships changed dramatically with the people just down the road. I don't see them anymore, right? Willingness to, to do that. And here's Paul, willingness to be separated from his, his friends and, and even family, perhaps. So, yeah. Right, Jeff. Okay, honoring men who give up time and effort and energy for the sake of the gospel, yeah. What else? Okay, looking to the welfare of other believers. Yes, yeah. I think there's something to notice about the care and concern that Paul has for other churches and other believers. And I think that that's something that we have to really consider about our life. How much of our lives are um, invested in care and concern for others or is, is this life more about ourselves, about our family and the things that pertain to our children and, and our household, right? So I think that's a big one. Thanks for mentioning that, Ryan. Um, notice the generosity here to um, Paul being generous to send Timothy, send Epaphroditus. He wants this church to be ministered to for Christ's sake. So, yeah. All right. We've gone over five minutes. Please forgive me. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll fellowship together. 
All right, Father, we give thanks to you for the opportunity to walk through this exercise and to look at a passage and to uh, strive to um, look at it inductively, to go through these observation questions and to interpret the text and then make application. Father, I pray that this time will be beneficial um, in our lives and that uh, it will, like the verse on the front of the handout, Lord, that we won't be just hearers of the word, but that we will be doers. Lord, that's our prayer. Help us not to see ourselves in the mirror of your word and walk away unchanged, but help us to change, to become more like your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.